This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. Today, you're listening to episode 390, and my guest is Courtney White. Courtney is a photographer. She loves capturing movement and emotion. She loves being outdoors, and Courtney has worked with so many brands and publications, including Columbia, Lululemon, The New York Times, Women's Running, Women's Health, Koros, The Bowerman Track Club. You've probably seen a lot of her work with The Bowerman Track Club. And recently, well, she photographed Shalane Flanagan and Adrian Hazlett in Boston. You all have probably heard the story of Shalane and Adrian running Boston together. Adrian was recently on the podcast. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you go back and check it out. Episode 378. She also got to travel with Shalane all around the world for her world marathon major tour in 2021. She talks a lot about that experience in this episode. And she also shares about her own running journey, which you might find interesting. She's been through a lot and she shares that in this podcast. All right, friends, I want to tell you about Vionic shoes. These are the most comfortable recovery shoes that every runner needs to know about. It's really easy to just throw on a pair of flip-flops in the summer, but I am telling you what, these recovery sandals are saving my feet. They're saving my arches. I particularly love the Rejuvenate Recovery Sandal, which those sandals feel so great on my feet. Vionic has great shoes for men and women, and they are so great for active recovery. They have a winning combination of supportive and cushioned layers that work together to generate this recovery. So friends, I'm so excited to have you check out these shoes and enjoy these super comfortable and supportive sandals. They also have cute sneakers as well, by the way. All this and no stress, Vionic's 30-day risk-free trial means there's no reason not to try them out. Enjoy free shipping on vionicshoes.com with the promo code ANOTHER. Recover smarter, return stronger. Again, enjoy free shipping on bionicshoes.com with promo code ANOTHER. All right. Well, today on All Have Another podcast, we have Courtney White on the show. Welcome to the show, Courtney. Thank you. Excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. You just got back from the Boston Marathon. I did. And I got to document one of the most inspiring projects I've ever been on. So feeling feeling the high still. That is so cool. So um, Courtney is a photographer and she just got to document Adrian Haslett and Shalane Flanagan run the Boston Marathon together. And for those listening who might not know Adrian's story, she was she's a survivor of the Boston bombings in 2013. And um, has had a very long journey to to get to this day. So what an honor to be able to document that experience. Yeah, it was really incredible. I actually didn't think I was going to be able to go out. And it was sort of like a in the last couple of weeks leading up to it, everything kind of unfolded. So definitely was an exciting thing to be a part of. And I feel like I got exposure to so much more of the story and just being able to be that close to you know, I already knew Shalane very well, um, but getting that experience and getting to finally meet Adrian in person and just kind of hear everything from from her herself, um, it was really beautiful. It was definitely a, an incredible weekend. So I want to hear about how you even got into photography and and you really have been able to photograph some really cool moments in sport. So Let's start with just like, where did the passion come from? Yeah, so I have sort of an interesting background just in general in terms of getting into shooting and specifically into running. Um, I actually never was like, I've never really considered myself, I guess, a runner. Um, that was never something that was like a focus for me, but it was always the thing I did to stay in shape for other sports or just 
keep up my endurance. And so in terms of getting into shooting running, it was kind of by accident. I, at the time, was working for a local brand in Portland and sort of decided at that point that I wanted to start getting into shooting sports in general. And so I kind of just put it out there to kind of my network of friends and all of my connections in Portland, just that if they were doing anything active, that I wanted to like practice shooting sports. And quickly after I got connected to the Bowerman Track Club um, and after shooting with them, they like had the Mamba was coming out. And so I went to the track and I shot with them and I got to meet a handful of the athletes. And honestly, from that day, things sort of just started to spiral into more and more in the running community. And um, yeah, I never intended or expected to get so deep into the running community but I am so happy that I did. It's been something that, I don't know, I've just really grown to love. And I really love the individual aspect of the sport combined with the team energy and the support of the community. And so it's really fun to be able to document because I think it brings out just so many emotions for the individual athlete, while also, like I said, just pulling in that whole community and team environment. But yeah, so kind of an accident getting into shooting running. And I've worked with some of the most amazing people and amazing athletes. Um, So very lucky. But yeah, definitely wasn't something that I expected, but I would not change it at all. What brought you to Portland originally? So I'm from Montana. um, And I went to college there and studied information systems. So business and IT. And I moved out to Portland to work for one of the big four accounting firms doing like IT risk. So definitely a whole, it feels like a whole different lifetime. But yeah, I had moved out for that and was working in it when I kind of started to realize that wasn't necessarily what was going to be fulfilling to me, even if I was good at it. So it was kind of open already to other opportunities, but planned on staying for at least a couple of years and then doing, I had this big like goal in my head that I was going to do this international rotation in New Zealand. And I had this whole plan. Um, I'm very like analytical and like pretty calculated. So I wouldn't have like ever expected to go down like a creative route. And so, yeah, I mean, I was working at the company and uh, that local brand that I mentioned earlier I would see them at local markets and all sorts of different things in Portland. They're very involved in the community. And the owner one day was like, hey, I know this is crazy, but would you ever consider coming to work for us? And I was like, that is crazy. And no. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Over the course of the next week or two, things kind of unfolded and I decided to make a huge career change. Um, So yeah, when I started working for that brand, we didn't have a photographer And I just sort of ended up in the role to take the photos for the company, along with many other pieces to what I was doing. And that's where I sort of decided that it was something I actually did love doing and I was pretty good at. Um, at, I mean, when I started, I was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I like look back and I'm like, I am so sorry. Uh, But yeah, I kind of realized that that was something I wanted to pursue, but I wanted to pursue it in a space with things I was passionate about, which was sport. What was the brand? What was the company? Did you say? Um, It's called Portland Gear. Okay. So it's actually like a Portland apparel brand that really blew up over the course of, I don't even know how many years it's been now. But um, when I started, there was three guys working there. And so I came on as the fourth. And they've really sort of taken on the city of Portland as like, if you think about somewhere like New York and you see all the New York hats, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're branded essentially by the baseball team and everyone wears a New York hat. It doesn't matter if you're a baseball fan, people just wear the hat. And because Portland doesn't have a major league baseball team, there was no brand sort of branding the city. Okay. So Portland gear has kind of become that. And if you come to Portland, I can almost guarantee that, as you're walking around, you see the hats everywhere. Um, so they've expanded into a lot of different things and they partner with tons of like nonprofits and other brands and restaurants and all, all of the things in Portland, but they've really become the brand that is like encapsulated the city. So if we visit Portland, is that what we buy? We have to buy one of the hats or are we not allowed to wear it because we're not locals? 
<laughs> no, it's definitely, that's what's really cool is that it has become, it's almost like as if you were to go to a city and you want to leave with a little piece of that city, but they're doing it in a way that isn't like touristy. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's like essentially the logo, logo is a P with the state of Oregon inside. So it's like very subtle. Um, it's not something that's like super loud and touristy, but they're like really playing into like trends and cool pieces. Um, so yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So um, it, was it hard to leave? Like wh- wh- when did you leave that and go to the next thing? Um, yeah, I think it was difficult, but I think that I had started to kind of mentally leave a little bit sooner than I physically left the company. Mm. Um, I started to just be a little bit less, um, not necessarily inspired, but driven maybe. And I just kind of, I've always trusted my intuition and I kind of know when it's time to like move on to the next thing. And I had really great conversations with the guys and, you know, they knew that I was heading in that direction. So it was in 20, 2019. Um, so I shot with the Bowerman Track Club in, I think, February. And I was still working for the company. By April, I went to just doing photos for the company and not like no longer being a full-time employee. And then by June, I had quit completely. And so it was kind of a quick process, but sort of phased out. And I think that it was done in a way that made sense. And I was kind of ready for the next chapter. And I think that by me leaving the company, it created space for the company to change the ways they were doing things or realize like, hey, we need more people in these areas. And so it's grown a ton. I think when I left, there was still only like five or six of us. And now the company has like 20 to 30 people, like including like retail and stuff. Um, So they've like in the last couple of years, they've really like changed their operation. So I think that when I left, it was a good time to sort of change paces. And since leaving, I've pretty much just been nonstop with photos, which is kind of crazy. But I did know that like, I needed to leave in order to allow myself the time to actually pursue photography. Because if I were to stay, I was kind of just doing it as a side thing. I was like, I'm never going to even see if this is going to work if I don't create the time and space to like really go for it. It's so hard to make that make those leaps. Oh, for sure. It's like scary. Yeah, it's definitely scary. Like I said, I've always had a pretty good feeling and trusted my intuition. And there's just something that like, I don't know, it's it's hard to explain. But even when I left the other company, it was like, I just kept having this feeling and just kind of knowing that if I didn't do that. It's something I would look back on and, you know, question why I didn't try. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, I wouldn't change the way I've done anything in terms of what I studied and what I did right out of college. But um, yeah, I've loved the path that I've taken, but I definitely think it's always worth, you know, questioning what you're doing and kind of why you're doing it. Because I think it's easy to get stuck sort of in a space where you're just doing something because you're, it's like a habit or because, it's just what you know. Um, I think it's worth taking risks because if you, you know, if you do and you fail, you can always go back to what you were doing before. But if you don't take the risk, you never know if this new thing may work out. Um, I thought it was interesting. You said you were a pretty calculated person because I, going into this interview, had pegged you as like wanderlust and, you know, I know you love to travel and things like that. So I was like surprised to hear that. Yeah, I think it's funny. I I actually recently just a couple of days ago put something on Instagram that was kind of like how, like if you could describe me in one word, like how do you perceive me? Oh, that's interesting Um, to ask that question. Because I'm like reading this book that talked about like how you are perceived versus how you think you're perceived or like how you perceive yourself. Mm. And it was so it was so funny, because I think, like, um, a majority of the responses were like, carefree, and (laughs) um, wanderlust and creative. And I'm like, I'm very much like, I'm very analytical, I'm very much a thinker, like, all of these things that are like, very true to who I am, but I'm being perceived in a way, which is great. Like, I think that there's nothing wrong with that. And I think there's something to think about and consider, like, what are you doing that makes you be perceived in that way? Um, but, but I do think, I mean, I definitely have a balance. I'm not like, I'm not, not those things, but I'd say if I were to have to like 
say which direction I am. I'm very much more on the like analytical side rather than the creative side. And I think it's harder for me. Like I definitely have to work harder to play, like to play into the creative stuff where the analytical or more like dialed sort of things come a little bit more naturally for me. Okay, I feel that I would be scared to ask that question because I, even though I assume like most people are going to say kind things, I think right. I'd be scared that like something someone said would like hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I After I did it, I was like, maybe I should have said like, all like maybe I should have done two and say like, okay, now what's a word that's like <laughs> a little bit more like real and um, less just like a kind description um yeah it's very funny because I'm like no one's gonna say like right (laughs) the one negative thing they might like they might have like six positive views of you but like one negative thing that they think is annoying or something like that I don't know I'd be like so scared to to read that but it's so true like the way we perceive ourselves is different than what people on the outside looking in perceive us as I I feel that people probably think I can be like carefree but like, I'm actually really a super anxious person. But maybe people don't think that at all. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's so it's so interesting because it's like obviously we know ourselves the best, or we spend the most time with ourselves, and we're also more critical, you know. So it's like we're pointing out maybe the things like that that are like could be viewed as like negative or in that manner. But it's like people aren't necessarily perceiving that. It's like sure that may be a component, but that's not the first thing that they would think of where for us I think we're a bit more critical so we're like oh my gosh I'm this this and this and we're not really thinking of the ways that we are those positive things okay what's the book again that encouraged you to write that so I'm actually it's called I think it's called badass habits or something okay um it's a it's that very like popular book this yellow you are a badass it's just it's Jen Sincera I think yeah I'm probably saying her last name wrong Um, it's one of her books. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's talking a lot about like habit forming and like, um, just kind of like the habits that we build and we don't even know that we're doing out of like a habit. And so you kind of like throughout the book, I'm only like, I'm not even halfway, but throughout the book, essentially it's like a book that you consider these things as you go rather than like reading the book and then thinking about everything. Yeah. So it's like an active reading book, which yeah, I was just at the airport and I was like, I need a new book. <laughs> and I'm actually really loving it. I was like, it's definitely making me think and consider things. I always want to fly through the book and get to the end. And whenever there's action, like I read the Marie Forleo book, which is, uh, I forget what it's called, but it, it's very much that. Like you, there are action steps throughout the book. And I was like, oh, I'm going to read it and then I'll go back and do the action steps. No, you got, if you're going to actually say you're going to, you got to do it during or you're not going to go back. Yeah, no, there's no way I'd go back. I'm like, and even on the plane, I got to the point where you have to like start doing the actions or like thinking about things. And I was like, "Mm, I'm going to read this later. (laughs) What? But that's better than like powering through. Like you stopped, like at least stop and and wait wait to power through until you do it. (laughs) Um, That's a heck of a travel day for you heading back from Boston to Portland. Did you get it? Are you able to get a direct from Boston to Portland? Um, on the way back, I did. On the way there, it was a travel nightmare. Oh. We like, I was on a red eye, but I got to the airport and it got delayed like two or three times before they completely canceled the flight. And so then I had to go home and be back at the airport at 430 in the morning. Like and so then, go home. Oh, you got to the airport at home, like in Portland yeah. at, at for your midnight flight. Okay. Yeah. And so it was like, I was like, oh, I could have just slept. Um, and so, yeah. It, and then we like that one was indirect. And so then by the time we got to Boston, there was actually like a hold up in the airport. And so we had to be in like a holding area. And it was just I was like, are we ever going to get there? But the way back was actually fine. It was it was a direct. um, And honestly, I actually just went on a trip to South Africa, like 10 days ago or something. Oh, my gosh. So I'm like, that was easy (laughs) compared to like my travel back from Africa was 40 hours. Hey friends, a quick break here to tell you about Relay Run Co., which is the newest running brand that just launched a couple days ago, founded by Anne Mazur. Anne is an Olympic trials marathoner, and by the way, she was on this podcast, episode 213, right after she qualified for the Olympic trials. 
at CIM in 2019. She's actually coming back on the show. We're going to do some life updates with her, but she has the most fun style. And at Relay Runco, they have race kits, amazingly soft matching tie-dye sets, post-run loungewear, which is what I live in, and the softest, most supportive sports bras around. So Anne is the founder, and she is very passionate about animals. She has three adopted cats herself and is super excited that Relay is giving 1% of all purchases back to Animal Rescue. So if you're looking for the softest, most comfortable fabrics and breathable running shorts with pockets check out their new site it's relayrunco.com you can also follow them on instagram relay underscore run underscore co and for a limited time if you use the code another you can get 15 percent off your first order let's go support and check out what she has over there use that code another and that'll get you 15 percent off all right back to the show Let's talk about uh, the Project Eclipse that you got to shoot with Shalane. Because talk about traveling. You went to all those marathon majors with her and got to shoot that whole project. How excited were you to take that on? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was definitely like an opportunity of a lifetime. It was something that like it was, I think, later in the fall that I found out that it was even a possibility And then I remember I was actually at this sort of like little outdoor thing that was, and I was out of service for three days. And when I came back into service, I had the text that was like, you got the job, like you're on the project. And I was just like, so excited. And so, yeah, I mean, the whole entire journey was absolutely incredible. Um, I think it was less to me, honestly, about getting the opportunity to shoot it and more about just being there. Um, It was such a special and unique opportunity to just have that much, I don't know, um, like exposure and also just the interactions. You know, we all became so close on that trip. There was only a couple of us going everywhere together. Um, So yeah, just getting to be there. And I think for me, some of like the most memorable parts of it were like, completely unrelated to the running it's like the moments in the hotel room or after the race um and then even like I'd say something that I definitely cherish is because I'm taking the photos and was able to be at the finish line for a handful of them not all of them due to there's always like regulations Mm -hmm. around where you can be um but it would be that I typically was the first person that got to see Shalane after each marathon so you know her coming across the line and I'm like I'm supposed to be taking photos, but instead I'm like so excited and I'm, <laughs> and I'm hugging her and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be shooting. And so it was like, it was just so amazing to get to be a part of that. And she got to bring Jack, her son, which was like so special. We joked that we were like all his mom on the trip. Um, and just, I think for me, like when I'm looking at that story, I'm like, it's so special to me that I was able to capture those moments from, you know, the moments with Jack and the moments in the hotel room and the moments at the races and just all of it. Um, And it's something that when Jack is older, you know, he'll be able to look back on those photos and see just like how amazing his mom is and what amazing opportunity it was that he got to be a part of that. Um, So, yeah, I think that that's something for me that like, yeah, like I said, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. I'm like, we (laughs) afterwards have repeatedly talked about we're like we need that every year like we need and even if it's not you know a running thing we're like we just need to all go on a trip every year you know we've all gotten so close and yeah it's just such a special um opportunity to be able to be that close to everything going on and for Shalane to allow me to be a part of that you know whole experience and document those intimate moments of her life yeah I'm wondering like in those moments, like in the hotel room and things like that, it's like, when do you know, like, okay, I'm just chilling or like, I need to be in picture mode. Like, how do you switch back and forth? And sometimes I wonder this with photography, like you want to capture intimate moments, 
But like, does it sometimes feel weird to like whip out the camera when like something special like that is happening? And how do you manage that? Um, I think that it varies, of course, like from moment to moment. But for something like this, Shalene and I already were close prior to this. So I know her really well. And that's why she, you know, allowed this to be something that was documented. Like that's a very intimate part of her life. And I think that had I not been like we I think that we just had kind of a mutual understanding. And like, I know her well enough. And she feels comfortable enough with me to like, if there was ever a moment that like, you know, she didn't want documented or which actually never came up. There's never a moment Mm -hmm. where she was like, don't shoot this. But it was like, I think that she would have felt comfortable to tell me that. But I think that I know her well enough to be conscious of what I'm shooting and when I'm shooting and like what moments need to be captured versus not. And then on top of that, I think that something that I say is sort of a strength of mine is just sort of kind of tying into that both like sort of reading who I'm shooting and the situation, but then also like I'm pretty quick and efficient with shooting and I don't like, I don't love to replicate a moment Mm. or to like make a moment So I think capturing things as they're happening in a very like quick manner, you know, I'm not like, I don't need the camera out at all times. And so I think that that is something that sort of helped me where, you know, we're in the hotel room and there are these moments, but I take the five shots that I want and then I just let the moment exist. You know, I'm not just like getting every angle and moving around and I'm like, sure, it could have been, maybe I could have gotten even better shots, you know, but for me, that wasn't you know, there's other things to consider in that moment, you know, it's like, yeah, I could have moved around and been in her face for every moment. But then that like, really ruins the moment that's happening. And so yeah, I think just considering who you're working with, what the environment is, and knowing like, okay, for the next 42 days, we're pretty much shooting every day. Like there has to be a limitation on, (laughs) you know, like what's happening, because like that can get exhausting. You know, I think about when someone points even a phone at me and I'm like, no, don't take a picture. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, think of that every single day and every hour of the day. Um, So yeah, just kind of being considerate of the moment. That's really interesting that you bring that up because it's like, as a parent, you know, I want to capture pictures of my kids like doing everyday life stuff. And even just yesterday, I was walking through we were on this like little trail. Um, well, one of my kids is at soccer practice and I was walking through this trail with my other, a couple of my other ones. And I was like, I want to get a picture and a video of this. And it's like, what times is it like, I don't need to get a picture or a video. I just can be in the moment, but like, will I be sad? I don't have this like memory stamp. Do you know what I mean? It's like a very fine line and we have such access to so many, so much technology now that it's like so easy to just whip the phone out and get a picture. But like, did my kid really need a camera in his face on the middle of that trail? Right. It's like, it's definitely hard. I think that it's become such a normal, which does, I think, in some ways help. And it's like a really amazing thing to now have this way to capture moments so easily. But I do like, honestly, outside of like work, I've started to really I mean, I definitely shoot stuff on my phone. Um, but I like, again, I try to just like take the photo and then leave it alone. Just move on. Yeah. Um, but then I also have been like shooting a lot on like, little film cameras. Because I'm like that, it makes me intentional about like, okay, I want to take this photo and then I put it away instead of like having my normal camera with me when I'm with like friends or doing something or hiking or, you know, like, cause then I'm like, well, this is pretty and this is pretty. And, yeah. and I'm like, okay, that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> so it's like, I just want to like absorb that moment rather than like try to document everything and then maybe never go and look back at it. <laughs> um. So with the Eclipse Project, if you had to pick like one of the races, like what was the most special to you? Oh my gosh, this is hard. I feel like people have asked me this and I probably have changed my answer because I'm like, it's always changing. I'm like, oh, but this and this. Yeah. Uh, I'd say one that like, I don't know. I honestly think that being in Berlin was Mm -hmm. probably the best just because it was the start of the trip. The energy was so high. We were all so excited. We probably had the most, I think we did have the most time there. Mm. So we just had a lot more time to spend together. And we like got to take Jack to the zoo. And, you know, the the energy was high for the marathon. And we were all really excited. We had no idea what was going to happen. So I think that that is probably 
probably the top one for me, although every race had its unique and fun experiences. So the entire trip was, I call it a trip, but it was many trips. Um, <laughs> but the entire, the entire project was so incredible. But I'd say if I had to pick one, it's Berlin. Berlin. That's a mar- marathon I want to run. Um, I want to talk to you about your running, though, because you said you kind of always just ran for other sports or whatever. But I know you had a big surgery as well at some point. So talk to us about that piece of your life. Yeah. So like I said, I never really considered myself a runner. I think I actually got a bit more into running, specifically more trail running when I was in college. But it was always, again, just to kind of stay in shape for other things. But when I was in college, I was running quite a bit and ended up getting compartment syndrome in both legs, which quick explanation, if people don't know what that is, it's um, kind of like a, there's sort of like a pressure issue in your legs where it can't, like the pressure can't release. And so I was out for a run one day and it, I just felt my calves getting so tight. It almost initially feels sort of like shin splints, but it got to the point where like, I was like, okay, that's really weird. And I was on a run and it got to the point where I like actually had to sit down and I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can walk. Like they got so tight and they were like, you could visually see that they were like very like full. That's scary. Um, Yeah. And so after sitting down for just like maybe five to 10 minutes, I was able to get up and I just walked home and I was like, okay, that was really weird. I must have like really bad shin splints. And then I kind of continued to do things at the time. I was like, playing on some like indoor soccer teams and like just generally active. I played basketball at the gym almost every day. And like, I just started to notice even when I was doing other things, I was like, look, I I remember being at a soccer game and like looking at one of the guys on my team. And I was like, look at my caps. Can you see this? I was like, this is crazy. I do not know what's going on. Cause they were like very tight and like definitely like kind of swollen. And so Yeah, I ended up going to get them checked out and you do this pressure test where they like check the pressure in your leg and then you run on a treadmill till you get the pain and then they check it again. And when I did mine, the pressure was like at a point where I think I can't remember now, but so I may be wrong if someone's listening to this, but I think it's like above 30 um, or something like that is like at a point for concern. And in a couple of my like compartments it was like at 70 something and so they were like like we have no question that you definitely have compartment syndrome um so at that point I had taken I had to take three months off of all physical activity that involved my legs to try to essentially like I don't know what the word would be maybe deteriorate my calf muscles sort of like just to see if by having less calf muscle it alleviated some of the pain um But after that amount of time, like nothing had changed. And so I got surgery on both legs, which put me in a wheelchair for the start of my senior year of college, I think. And then was like, obviously, double boots, crutches for a while. And then I was able to like get back to everything after that, um, including running for a handful of years. And then in 2019, in the fall, it came back. Uh. So it's not always common that it comes back, but it is a likely chance it can. And so, yeah, it actually came back, which is so interesting to be shooting running all the time and not be able to do it. Um, But I've been like kind of off now from running for the last couple of years and recently like have been hiking and kind of running out of the trails. And I'm finding that I'm actually kind of able to do it, which sometimes if you take enough time off, like it can get better, but I do want to not put myself in a place where I like make it so bad that I have to get a surgery again because at this point it's manageable. And so we've essentially decided that if I can do all of the other activities that I want to do without it causing too much limitation, then we can try to avoid another surgery because it's super invasive and, you know, they're cutting around a lot of very important pieces in your leg. And so It can cause a lot of like nerve damage and there's just a lot of complication with it. Um, And I actually did have quite a bit of nerve damage in my left foot after the first one that took a while to like come back. And I feel like it's kind of fully back now, but it's definitely like a scary surgery. Um, 
so yeah, right now avoiding a second surgery, but I'm feeling, I mean, I can do pretty much anything else. I'm, I'm feeling fine hiking and biking and all the things. And like I said, I've actually been able to run just little snippets here and there, which is great. And I have to run for work sometimes. So I try to save any running for when I have to do it or like I've just been wanting to do it when I'm on the trail, <laughs> but to, like do it downhill so that the uphill isn't too much on my calves. Um, but yeah, so definitely, definitely was a, a hard lifestyle change both times. Um, but I think the second time, although it was maybe harder cause it's always more difficult to be like, no, like this, this thing has come back. Um, but I do think I was able to kind of mentally get around it a little bit easier, just knowing kind of like, this is what I need to do to move forward. Like I can't sit here and dwell on, you know, the things I can't do. I need to move forward with what I can. Um, what do they even do in the surgery? Um, so it's a fasciotomy where they release the fascia. Okay. Um, so they go in on both sides of your leg and completely release it all the way up. And it essentially, I think the, that the purpose of it is to kind of like make a gap so that when it reforms, there's more space. Okay. Um, and like the cause of me getting it initially, they think it was overuse, but then also just my anatomy of having kind of just a tighter fascia to begin with. And the second time I got it, I mean, I honestly don't fully know, but I did, I was running a lot more again. Okay. And so like, it was like, I had picked up running a bit more than like I generally was. And so I'm like, maybe it was just like the increase in what I was doing. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a bummer. There's no like direct correlation to how exactly, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not the most ideal. (laughs) Hey friends, this episode of the podcast is supported by Shoot Photography. Shoot has 30-minute outdoor sessions that are free to book, absolutely free to book, no sitting fee, and you only pay for the photos you love, which by the way, have a super quick turnaround time. These are perfect for family portraits, maternity, milestone birthdays, engagements, personal branding, you name it. Um, and these are in beautiful outdoor locations operating in over 60 cities around the country. It's pretty crazy. There were like six locations here in Raleigh. So you all can save 15% off five photos or more when you use the code Sandy boy. So go see if they're in your market, go to shoot.com. That's S H O O T T.com. See if you're in their area. They probably are since they're in 60 locations. And book your session today. And then when you get your photos back, just use the code SANDYBOY and you'll get 15% off. Let me know what you think. I hope you love it as much as I do. Our family had pictures taken a few weeks ago and it was so quick and simple and we love them. So that's shoot.com. Use the code SANDYBOY once you get your pictures back for 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, I was going to ask you with the Eclipse Project when you said you got the job, who was the job through? Is that Nike paying you for that? Yeah. So I did it with Nike, um, though Shalane was a huge part in like making that happen um, because Nike did want to like have it captured and documented, but Shalane obviously wanted someone that she was comfortable with and close with. So kind of tied together and um my really good friend Kate was on the project as well and so that is who kind of was like my Nike Nike person and then Shalane and we kind of had this little trio which was amazing I think I talked to Shalane about this afterwards just how special it is as a mom to have other people like care about your kid and so it was really cool for me just to watch that and see you guys like all kind of coming together and like supporting her through supporting Jack and being there for him when, you know, in those moments when she's totally not available because she's running a marathon. Right. Yeah. It was definitely a very, yeah, just special and unique experience. And it's funny because I actually just in Boston was talking to her dad and he was like, I have the best job in the world because he was watching Jack. And I was like, we felt on Project Eclipse. I was like, when they would need to go do something and or like they'd go out for like a shakeout and they all wanted to go run. 
I was like, I'll hang out with Jack. Aww. And I'm like, I was like, I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's like the little like win that you're like, I get to watch him. Oh, uh, that's so good. So yeah, it's definitely, it was like such a, he's just the best little guy anyways. But like, it was just so fun to have that be a part of the project. Well, there is nothing better than seeing your friends love your kids. I will tell you that. Um, what is your focus right now? I just saw that you are like moving to California, but you're going to be splitting your time. Yeah. So that was a very recent decision. Um, I've kind of, I feel like people for the most part don't even know where I am anyways. <laughs> and it's like living in Portland for the last mm-hmm. couple of years. I actually really lived in Portland because um, I was in my van full time up until just a handful of months ago, actually. And so now I've been like sort of in, I got like a room in a place um, <laughs> where I'm like, before that I've been in like studios and it's like important for me to have like my space. But then for this season, I was like, okay, I don't really know what I want to do. I'm never really in Portland. So I just need to get like a little home base while I decide what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, so recently kind of like had this realization that although I love Portland, like uh, most of the time, if I'm not working, I'm like looking outside at the rain and I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) And so it's like, I typically, if I'm not working, I'm like, okay, where should I go? And I'm like, I want to not want to always go somewhere, you know, like I'd love for it to be like, oh, I don't work this week. And I'm like home and I'm in the sun and I can go surf and I can go to the beach. Like, and so I've kind of just had this realization that like, I, I do want kind of a change of pace in that way. And then also, I just think that like, I'm still at a point where I love to, you know, like work really hard and grind and, you know, I'm willing to like, just give all of my time to like work and all of those things. And I'm like, while I'm in this space and have this energy, like, I think it's worth going to a place where maybe I don't know as many people and I can build more connections and meet new people because eventually I know there will be a point where, you know, you don't want to be working all the time and grinding all the time and, you know, you don't maybe have the time or your lifestyle is different. To, and so you can't just go meet new people all the time. And so I think that while I'm in a space where I'm loving doing that and I have the energy to do it, like in Portland, I feel really well connected and I love the people here. But I'm like, OK, I think that there's like room for other areas of growth that maybe I'm not like tapping into. And so I definitely don't want to leave Portland completely as a home base. I'll probably actually be here equally as much as I am already but I think that having kind of a home base in a place that I can grow in different ways and then also a place that like I want to be when I'm not working which is like in Portland it's I love it so much and I actually really love the rainy season but when it's like you're only a couple days off and it's raining you're like come on like I need like something else um And if you talk to most people here, especially during this season, everyone's using the line like, well, like summer's almost here. Well, the sun's almost here. It's almost like and and it's like I kind of am ready to be in a place where that's not always the like, well, like the four months of the year. That's really great. Like, yeah. um, So, yeah, I'm excited to kind of get this change of pace and new energy. And if I don't love it, I can come back. So I think that's always the thing people tend to be afraid to kind of move or go somewhere new. But I'm like, you can literally, I could go down there and be there for a day, a week, a month and be like, nope. And I could come back. (laughs) It's like, it's, it's not like you have to, I mean, I know that for certain lifestyles or people that are, you know, have other things, but when I'm just a solo person and, you know, work for myself, I have the freedom to be able to make those decisions. So I'm like, that's something where I'm like, I should do that. You know, I should try. So you a hundred percent should. What, how did you choose? Did you say you were going to like Ventura? How did you choose where you were going to go? So I actually haven't quite chosen yet, but I'm definitely thinking coastal, um, somewhere kind of ideally in the coastline between like Ventura and Encinitas. So like, do you know anybody there? I do. Like I definitely have friends kind of spread throughout, especially spread throughout California. Um, they're all kind of all over the place. And then my boyfriend lives in California as well. Um, And he current, he's actually looking to move too. I think that we'll eventually like, we'll end up in similar places, but I'm definitely making like a call to 
make sure that it's like a place where I'm going to feel inspired, where I'll be able to get what I need to for work um, and all of those things considered, but definitely looking coastal with access to LA. So yeah, kind of, kind of still open, but I think it's a little more difficult in California where you're like, okay, I could pick this place, but maybe nothing good is going to pop up. Or if it does, it's gone in an hour. Oh, so hard. Options open for the moment. Um, why was I just looking at real estate over there? Oh, because uh, we were watching the show on Netflix, Generation Wealth. I think it's on Netflix. I don't know. Have you watched it? No, I haven't. Um, so anyway, I was like, I wonder how much like a one bedroom cost, you know, over here and over there. And it was just comical looking at these, these properties like, oh my gosh, that's a million dollars. And would anybody yeah. even live there? It's insane. Like even in my search, if I forget to like put a filter on, oh sure, like, I'm looking and there's like, for like a one month rental for like a three bedroom, it's it, like some of them are literally like $30,000 a month. <laughs> like, is paying that like who actually is doing that and it granted it's like this like cliffside ocean view and I'm like okay but still yeah like, that is a joke there's no way it's so <laughs> crazy um I don't necessarily recommend that documentary but it was kind of I don't know it was a little bit interesting um yeah. I'm from the midwest though so I mean we just moved to North Carolina and the prices here are, are crazy to me compared to good old Midwest living. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, I'm even surprised looking now in Montana. Oh, it's yeah. Definitely more expensive. And I'm like, it's just so wild to me because it's changed just so much in the last like handful of years. Yeah, it seems like people have have like fleed to Montana. Montana seems to be like having a moment. It definitely is. And like, <laughs> My parents keep being like, are you sure you don't want to just move to Montana? Oh, I bet. <laughs> and I'm like, I do want to move to Montana, but also I love the ocean and it's not the best place to be for my job. So do you have siblings? I do. I have two older sisters and then one of them has two kids. So okay. I have two little kids as well. Oh, they're all in Montana. Okay. Well, I was going to say that's what I was I'm just looking out for the parents here. Like as a parent, I'm like. I hope at least one of my kids ends up living, you know, where we live. But as as someone who has parents, I also want to live. I don't live near my parents. So, like, it's like you got to do what you do. But I, selfishly, yeah. I hope one of my kids long term will be close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do feel really lucky that, again, just with kind of the flexibility of me choosing my schedule, I get to go home so often. Oh, do you use like, pop home a lot? two days and I'm going to stay for like seven or eight days. Oh, so I'm nice. like, I get to go home and like, I think having my nieces now makes it even more like I want to go even more often because they change so much so mm -hmm. quick that I like go back and I'm like, you're getting too big. How but, old are they? Oh my gosh. Five and like not even one. Oh yeah. They're so cute. Oh, it's so good. Um, So I'm curious as an entrepreneur in the photography business, like, how do you manage like clients and setting rates and deciding what projects to take on? And, you know, it's kind of like sky's the limit, but you, you got to like own it, right? Like you got to really believe you're worth what you're worth. And has that been a journey getting to that point? Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, I even look back at when I started just a couple of years ago and the difference in the way that I operate, um, is just like so vastly different but I think that kind of in this community especially like if you're kind of in a niche like running mm -hmm. um you sort of know most of the people doing the same thing and I'd say at least in my experience like the community is really amazing and like really communicative and like I have some amazing people that I kind of consult in and they consult in me um just to make sure that we're all sort of in similar mm -hmm. like price range and you know like the way we do things just because it's easy for someone to come in and sort of lowball so that you know they can start taking these projects which oh I bet it's very like it's very noticeable when someone's doing it um, especially for something that's more event-based like the Olympic trials or like a big you know like you're like interesting like this person's shooting for like 10 different mm -hmm. brands. Like there's a reason for that. 
And so I think that just sort of knowing people um, in the space that you can trust and communicate with is like really important and it helps you get to a place where you feel confident in what you're charging or the way you're going about things or licensing terms and all of that. Um, but definitely a process. And it's also, yeah, I mean, it's, you definitely want to trust the people that you're, you're talking to because it is a competitive field. And, you know, although there are plenty of jobs and you want to help and encourage everyone, you also have to consider that it is your business that you're running and it needs to be successful. Um, but there's also just kind of like a lot of really amazing like workshops and groups happening that are like for high schoolers and college kids. And like, I think speaking, like I've have had the opportunity to speak to some of those and it's really amazing. Just like you kind of forget once you get into this, that like there are really simple questions that like can help someone a lot, you know, like I forget that just a couple of years ago, I knew nothing, you know, mm-hmm. because you have to learn really fast and you're running your own business. So you need to, kind of know what you're doing and be confident in your actions and, you know, your worth. And so I think that, you know, if you're someone who is getting into this or you're younger um, and maybe you don't have the experience or even if you're, yeah, just if you don't have the experience, I do think it's worth just reaching out to people and maybe they won't always be like up for giving you like the exact breakdown of how they do things. But I think there's even just simple questions that can be asked that, can help you kind of have confidence in the way you're doing things or um, just like ways to find information to kind of start those, that process. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned like the, someone being at a lot of events like lowballing or whatever. I'm like, I imagine if you're new, you want to just like get your name out there. And that's why sometimes you have like newer photographers offering to like, you know, do pictures for free or something like that, just so that they can get their name out there. So I'm sure that's, is that, what's that like being established, like knowing that that's happening and that's them just trying to like get, you know, maybe to your level. Right. I think there's definitely a balance because I know that when I started, I definitely had to do those things, you know, like there's definitely no harm in like where you're at and maybe your experience and like needing to do some things to kind of like, not necessarily like prove value, but just you know, have the opportunity to kind of showcase that you're capable of things. Um, And I think that there's a big difference between that and someone who's been in the industry for five, 10 years that's doing that, you know, like, so that's where the difference is. Um, It's like, maybe we're at the Olympic trials and there's two photographers. One, it's their first time ever shooting it. They're younger or newer to the industry. One that's this, their fifth or sixth or seventh time shooting a major race and they both have 10 different people they're shooting for, there's a big difference in, you know, how you maybe perceive that because one is experienced and knows kind of like how this whole thing works Mm -hmm. and trying to gain the experience. And so I do think that there's like, there's no one right or direct way to do things. And I think everyone doing kind of what they need to do to be successful in their way. But I think that it's like, Yeah, I think there's, like I said, there's nothing really wrong, I guess, with either. It's kind of like maybe the person who is lowballing isn't going to get the clients that need like highly delivered work because if you're shooting for that many people, you can't focus on the couple of people that maybe a brand would choose to hire just you and you're limited to that project. So, you know, there's variation in all of it and there's no right or wrong way necessarily, but I do think talking to people in the community that you're shooting is like very important just because you want to, I mean, it's important to build connections and it's great to be able to have those conversations so that you don't feel alone. Even if, you know, even if you're not experienced or if you're experienced, but want to charge less, I think talking to people in the community regardless is like very beneficial just because you get those friendships and the connections. And, you know, if you are at a race and you, you know, like there's been instances where maybe I'm at like a major race and two events are happening at once and I really need an athlete. And I'm like, Hey, so-and-so like, if you're shooting this, can you please try to get this? Oh, and then I'll get with the client that like, I just couldn't be in the two places. So they'll come to you for those photos. Oh, that's so, so nice. Yeah. It's like, you want to build relationships and have that trust that you can like work with the people around you. 
That's so nice. You know, um, as like in the podcasting industry, um, I kind of feel the same way. Like I have several people that I'm in communication with and we like we've talked about like advertising prices and stuff like that just because it's good to know like a, a ballpark of what other people are doing because it helps you like set your prices and things like that and know if you're being fair or know if you're selling yourself short. You know, I mean, I think that that's a big thing that um, some other people in the industry have helped me know that like I don't need to sell myself short on things like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now when I ask athletes who are on my show for a picture to promo, I'm always like, can you give me a picture that you have the rights to? Um, tell me about that as the photographers, because oftentimes I need to put an image up on like Instagram stories. And so I always use that verbiage and I never know if the athlete truly knows, like knows what I mean by like, you have the rights to this. Like you've either purchased the picture or the photographer has said like, do whatever you want with it. So as the photographer, give me your like thoughts. Yeah. Um, honestly, I would say in my experience, I'm going to say 95% of the athletes don't have the rights to the image. See, that's what I figure. But that being said, like for my relationship, specifically with the Bowerman Track Club athletes, um, I think we kind of have like a good enough relationship where we've communicated and they sort of know that when someone comes to them for an image, depending on like the route that the image is going to go, either like honestly, most of them still reach out to me and they're like, Hey, like doing this podcast, can I use the photo? And I'm like, okay. Okay. So like most of them just ask me. And so we're on kind of a good basis with that because I think you run into the issue where like, if they don't know, and it's maybe actually someone like a major news outlet or right, if you're going on the New York times, like I need, we need to talk about this. Right. So it's like, I think we've just kind of built this standard that most of them ask or specific ones that like get featured on a lot of that kind of stuff. I like will like, they'll reach out once and I'm like, Hey, yeah. And like, if there's any podcast or something like feel free to use photo, like, don't worry about it. So like most, like I'm in good enough communication with most of those athletes, specifically the Bowerman track club where it's like, they can totally, I, I want them to be like, like I'm excited that they get to speak and do these things. Like I, I have a great relationship with them. And so I'm like, of course, like, please use the photo. Um, So, yeah, I think that a majority of the athletes probably don't have the, like, rights to use the image um, without permission, but I think a lot of people do. But for me, like I said, if it's, like, something that's, like, great where they get to share their story or a piece of, like, who they are and it's a podcast and, like, of course, like, please use the photo. But then if it's something where it's, like, okay, this is going to be in print or in a major news outlet or I'm, like, well, like, why don't you send them directly to me and we can discuss how they're using the photo. That's Um, what I was going to say. Would you prefer the podcaster to reach out to you directly? Um, I don't think so. Just because I think that like, I just know that everyone has busy lives, you know, and to have to include that step is like, for me personally, I don't necessarily need it. Other photographers may feel differently about that, but I, I would say like, I have a good enough relationship with most of the athletes that have images that I've sent them to where they ask me anyways, you know? So it's like, I feel pretty comfortable with the way that uh, like my relationship works with them, but I can't speak for every photographer. Maybe that's, you know, there's probably people who've been burned a little bit more where it's like, I've been really lucky to have great experiences. So maybe if like some instances happened that, were like negative, then I'd maybe be like, ah, oh, like, let's just start having the, you know, podcast reach out directly. Mm. But for me, I'm like, I've had really great experiences. I have worked with really amazing people. So I feel confident that, you know, people with understanding, like, try to, like, think about those things. Because like, I just basically told the athletes, I was like, hey, like, just, so you know, like, here's sort of the expectation. And they've all been like, oh, perfect. Yeah, that all sounds good. So Okay, that's smart. I'm always like so nervous about it because I, I use the verbiage, but then I, I don't want to like take advantage of the photographer either. I'm usually just putting in my stories, but also sometimes I'm like, just send me a picture that like your boyfriend took of you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again, mine may be a de- be a little different just because I work with the sure. track. Like you have a relationship, exactly. So it's like that's sort of like 
the images I take of them are supposed to be to enhance them. So it's like, like, maybe if it's just like a photographer who has no relationship with the athlete, that may be a different, totally different pay for it or, you know, like, or it's like, I've already established, established a relationship and likely been like, there's already been an agreement on that. So it's like, yeah, it's a little bit different for me, I'd say. So then I guess it's like for people like me, it's like get to know the industry, get to know what photographers are doing what and like who has relationships with who, I guess. I mean, that's the homework that I think we need to do then. Right. And it's actually not as like, I mean, I guess it's hard because I'm in it every day, so I know it very well. But you start to kind of know, like at least I do, I kind of know which photographers kind of work with which brands and teams consistently where, of course, we all overlap in ways. But there's definitely like, you know, like this photographer is like primary, primarily shooting with like Tracksmith and Puma and like, you know, you just kind of know who's shooting with what athletes. So yeah, it's definitely like something that isn't actually as complicated, I think, as it may seem because like, once you have like, okay, these 10 photographers are kind of shooting most of what's happening in the running scene, who are they working with? Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. All right, Courtney, um, what, what's your next project? Um, oh my gosh. Oh, well, I'm going home. Um, I'm shooting for a, a kind of like a random thing tomorrow. It's obviously it's outside of sports, which is not always common for me. Um, so I have a project tomorrow shooting for actually a whiskey brand. Okay. In Portland. So it's very, very different. Um, but then I'd say like the next bigger project is, um, after I go home, I'm headed out to altitude camp with the Bowerman track club for like eight days or so. Okay. So that's kind of the next upcoming thing for me. Um, what if someone was like, I want you to shoot my wedding? Would you ever do that kind of photography? Um, I kind of have always stayed away from <laughs> that, but I actually shot Chris Derrick's wedding mm. this December. Um, and when I was there, a couple of the athletes were like, wait, this should be what you do. Like <laughs> athletes, but then you also shoot their weddings. <laughs> And I mean, I had such a fun time and it's actually kind of similar to shooting sports because you're kind of documenting everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. But I'd say I'd lean more still (laughs) away from it unless it was like someone I knew or like really wanted me to be there. But I don't think I'd ever like pursue anything in the that realm. I think there's people who do amazing job at it. And that's not necessarily something I'm like, oh, I'm so good at this. I can imagine there are some really bad horror stories of like brides that people have to deal with that they oh, yeah. like mother-in-laws and I don't know I'm I'm giving women a bad rap here but like I imagine there are some very high expectations that some of these people expect and yeah that would be a lot of pressure oh yeah for sure I mean there's so much pressure on that day that I'm like mm, I am good to just attend weddings yeah uh, yeah <laughs> I'll snap a couple pictures for you and see if any of them turn out. And, but I'm yeah. I'm the guest. Um, okay, what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? There's so many things. I feel like I'm always kind of thinking of like dreaming up, you know, bigger goals. But something I think that I like really want to dive a little more into actually is basketball. So I really want to work with like some NBA players oh, and cool. NBA teams. Um, so that's definitely a big goal that, I just haven't even like really tried to get into it. And so it's like, I definitely need to start the process for that to be something that even can begin to unfold. But um, yeah, I'd say that that's kind of one or um, on the more personal side, I'd say one of the next big trips I want to do is like a big like um, Scandinavian trip. So hitting kind of all the Scandinavian countries and doing a lot of hiking and potentially cycling. Um, So yeah, I'd say those are a couple of, the goals. So she's wonderlust, but she's calculated wonderlust. Like this, yes. the Scandinavian trip will be planned. Yes. In a very organized way. Um, that's so fun. I think the NBA thing would be cool. It's, it's, it's fun to like dive into the other sports. And I think that getting, being so in with running and having that resume that you do will be so helpful. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what's the best, most recent book you've read? I think it's the book I'm reading right now. So oh. I'm not even finished with it yet, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm really liking it. I feel like there's very tangible points to think about. Um, so yeah, I'd say that. And then something that I kind of reread like 
at least yearly or just intermittently when I don't have a book is The Alchemist. Um, I think that that's a great book. And I think it's something that, you know, every time you read it, you kind of get different things out of it because it kind of like plays into where you're at in life and just makes you think about things in a different way. So I'd say those two are kind of the top of mind. Somebody just shared that book recently. I've read it, but it's been a really long time. I need to, I think I've said this a million times on this podcast. I need to revisit it (laughs) Uh, because it's definitely a highly recommended one. Um, Okay. Two more questions. If you could have coffee, tea, or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? Um, Honestly, maybe Ellen DeGeneres. Mm. Ellen (laughs) up too. She's still still got her show on the air. I know. I literally don't even know, but I feel like her energy is very like high and contagious. So it'd be, it'd be a fun conversation. Um, that or don't judge me, but Harry Styles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw him at on all the photos coming out recently, but I'm like, I would definitely sit down and have a coffee, cocktail, and tea. <laughs> <laughs> all three, please. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, I haven't seen the photos, but I'm going to Google them now. <laughs> what is your last message to leave with the audience today? I'd say just... Don't take anything too seriously and don't forget to have fun with what you're doing. I think it's easy to get caught up in just the general, you know, flow of life. But I think recognizing kind of where you're at and having fun in each moment um, and just kind of like, I think a lot of times people operate, including myself, out of like fear or you know, you're maybe not doing something or you are doing something um, out of fear. And I think just kind of leaving, leaving that behind and just sort of being yourself and having fun in every moment, regardless of, you know, how you may be perceived or, you know, what other people think or want. Um, I think you can get a lot more enjoyment out of each moment in life if you're, if you're kind of thinking through life that way. That is great advice. Thank you so much, Courtney. Of course. Thank you. All right, friends, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Courtney, for coming on the show, sharing your work and love of the sport and photography with us. You all can follow Courtney on Instagram. She's Courtney, C-O-R-T-N-E-Y, white underscore over there. Her website is CourtneyWhite.com. Make sure you check out our sponsors of this episode, Vionic Shoes. Those recovery shoes are so comfortable. Uh, shoot photography get your Christmas cards booked friends or whatever cards you want to book super inexpensive way to do that and um, Ann Mazer I'm so excited for her new company that she's rebranded she is a running and yoga guru and she's got an eye for some really cute apparel Relay Run Co is the new company RelayRunCo.com check it out Links to all the discount codes and everything we talked about will be in the show notes. Sandyboyproductions.com is our website. You can sign up for our newsletter there. You all can follow me on social media. I am LindsayHine626 on Instagram, at LindsayHine on Twitter. And you can follow this production company, Sandyboy Productions. All shows edited by the wonderful Emma Benner at Sandyboyproductions.com as well as our Instagram, Productions. We're so grateful you're here today. We hope you're enjoying all these shows we've been bringing you in the Sandy Boy Network. Have a great Friday. And hey, next Monday, make sure you're subscribed to the show because next Monday we are dropping our first of a six-part summer nutrition series that I'm super excited about. So subscribe to the show so you don't miss those bonus episodes that are dropping every Monday for the next six weeks. And if you are loving the podcast, leave us a rating and review and you'll be entered to win a pair of Gooder sunglasses. Leave that on iTunes and send us an email, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com and we'll get you entered to win for our June giveaway. That was a mouthful of an outro. You all have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, we'll see you next Friday. Friday.